I think that there's a lot of pressure on us as parents that we need to do X, Y, and Z in order for them to be happy and fulfilled with the rest of their life and sort of create a, you know, a magical childhood. But the reality is that that childhood itself is like inherently magical. It doesn't need us to like kind of create those moments. Hello and welcome to Mother Maker, a podcast featuring conversations with artists who are also mothers. This is episode two, and today I'll be sharing my conversation with artist Michaelin Michalik. My name is Emma Coy, and I'm a musician and performance artist living in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, with my husband Jason and our three-year-old son Henry. Mother Maker started out as a website. I launched it on Mother's Day of 2017 with a vision of mothers having something inspiring to read while nursing or feeding their babies. Until now, these interviews have only been published in text form, so I'm really excited to be here sharing the audio with you as well. If you're interested in reading any of the previous interviews I've done, they're all over at mothermaker.co. And if you like what you're hearing here on the podcast, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. So today, I'm sharing my conversation with artist Michael and Michaelik. This interview was recorded on November 8th, 2018. I'm a mom to a very busy three-year-old boy, Henry, and I have a lot going on. I'm an active performing musician. I have a private teaching studio. I have a collaborative music and dance ensemble. I'm on the faculty at a small university. I teach yoga and I have Mother Maker. And then there's housework to keep up with. So while I know that research shows we need to limit screen time for our kids, I can't help but plop Henry in front of the TV for an hour here or there so that I can get some work done. Michaelin's Instagram bio is painter of domestic life. She paints her family literally sitting around. When I first saw her work, this is what struck me. She makes no apologies for the reality that is her teenagers will be sitting on their phones. Adults will be on their laptops, sometimes all while everyone's sitting around watching TV. This is what family looks like now, and that's okay, and sometimes it's kind of beautiful. If you want to see what I'm talking about, there are lots of examples of Michaelin's work at mothermaker.co slash interviews slash Michaelin dash There will also be a full transcription of our conversation, as well as links to her website and social media profiles. Also, let us know, what are your rules surrounding screen time for kids? What motivates you to make the choices that you do when it comes to media use for your family? There are lots of ways to get in touch with me and the Mothermaker team. You can send me an email at emma at mothermaker.co. We're also on Facebook at Mothermaker Co. and Instagram at Mothermaker. Also, be sure to sign up for our newsletter by going to mothermaker.co and clicking newsletter in the upper right-hand corner. If you're a mother artist looking for a community, please join our Facebook group. Mother Maker Artists Raising Humans. This is a really lovely community of women all over the world. We share our work every week. We encourage each other to just keep going. So now, my interview with artist Michaelin Michalik. Doesn't time just go so much faster? It does, I think. Uh, especially, it's like, you know, with kids, you, you think like, gosh, they're going to be little forever, and then you turn around, and I have... I, 
child that's going to be in high school next year. So <laughs> yeah, it's wild. I don't know where it goes. It just it just disappears, right? Yeah, right. Crazy. Um, so you grew up in another part of Ohio, right? Northeast Ohio, Newton Falls. It's a small town, less than five thousand people. So, and what did your parents do when you were a kid? My mom was a teacher. And um, my stepfather was also in education. And so were the arts a part of your life as a kid very much? Um, Well, I think we probably visited museums and art museums, which looking back, I'm not sure many of my friends did that kind of stuff. And I had an interest in art, but we didn't really have more than you could take like one or two classes in high school. So I wasn't really exposed to a lot at a young age. I knew I was interested in it. I just, I didn't know anybody that was an artist. And I think that I just, you know, came to it later in life, sort of, well, in college, where it actually became, you know, of interest to make it into a career. So did you go to school for art? Yes. um, My degree is in painting and drawing. I went to Ohio State, but that's only after resisting art as an actual major (laughs) and trying to think that I was going to be some sort of scientist and, um, you know, studying the sciences. And then I was like, this is not for me. And I had to take an art class. And so I kind of ended up roundabout taking all my studios together like pretty late in college because I had already taken all of the other requirements and I was sort of figuring out now what am I going to do and um, I became really interested in it so I kind of like had a really intense experience where I was doing like four or five studios each semester which is like a crazy number of studios but like trying to catch up Right, trying to catch up because um, I thought I wanted to do something different and I changed my mind and I was like, no, I want to get a degree in the arts. So that's kind of how it happened. I know, I think there's a lot of people that are like, oh, well, I was always interested and, you know, I had so much exposure and it just, that wasn't my story. Mm -hmm. So you thought you were going to be in science? I think because we had like a really good science department in high school. And I mean, that's something that we had a lot of exposure to. And you kind of know what a career path for that looks like. Knowing like I did not want to teach. Being an arts teacher had not a whole lot of appeal to me. So I didn't know what other path to take if you were interested in making stuff. Because I was clearly interested in that sort of stuff always, but I just, it took me a while to figure out, you know, what path to take and how to go about doing stuff. Um, And even after getting my degree, I worked in the arts. I kind of let my studio practice lapse for about a decade, I would say, a little over a decade. And, you know, I had children and I came about it like, maybe five years ago again and have been working pretty fervently to like uh, get things going and, you know, get a practice with sort of regular regularity going for myself. Yeah. What were you doing for those 10 years other than having kids? What, what did you kind of see as 
as happening? I mean, I was interested in making art and I was, I showed a little bit, but really I was working in the arts. I worked for the Wexner Center for the Arts in Columbus and a contemporary art center. And so I kind of almost was like, well, I'm getting to be near the arts. And so I just didn't make time for like a studio practice for myself. And I was kind of like, well, this is good enough. I get to be near that. So then I did have children and I just, I felt like so drained and I kept saying, well, I'm going to come back to it. This is something I'm really going to come back around to when they get in school or I had like always a changing deadline. So a few years ago, um, like five or six years ago, I was like, when the kids are back in school, my husband's like, the kids are in school. Like, when are you gonna, <laughs> you know, if you want to do this, you should do it because, you know, you should just quit everything and just throw yourself full on into it. Um, because there's just no time more to waste about it, you know, and if this is something you want to do, you've got to make it happen. And so that's essentially what I did. I had a very part-time job. I quit that. Um, and I've just been, you know, working in the studio and trying to get my work out there and get shown and, and um, make sort of an arts community for myself here in Dayton. So what was that conversation like when he's like, <laughs> just do this? <laughs> well, because I was, I think I was stressing myself out. I think, you know, when you're, you've got children, I think it's like a great, it can be a great excuse for not doing things. But yeah. I, what I needed to do, I think for myself was like, show them what I could do, you know, instead of what I don't have time to do and quit using that kind of as a way to escape, like putting myself out there. And he's super supportive, I think. And so I'm really lucky in that I have a partner that's super supportive and, you know, was really able to kind of give me the gentle push that I needed to get back into things because so much had changed in the 10 years because there wasn't social media. There what most people didn't have their own websites, uh, you know, and a lot of the information about applying to shows and stuff it would be like weird flyers or word of mouth, like never back 10 years ago, would I know like how, or, you know, 12, 13 years ago, know how to apply to a show in New York, like coming out of school, unless you had some connection and somebody told you about it, you wouldn't know how to do any of that. So, so, so much of that had changed. You know, it was a matter of like kind of figuring all those things out, almost like I just had graduated from school in some ways. So, I think that's so interesting that um, we will use our kids as an excuse to not do what we really want to do, but really also it would be really good for all of all people involved if we just did what we wanted to do. <laughs> right. I think, so, yeah, I agree. I use that all the time. I'm like, oh, I can't practice because you know, I'm a musician. I can't practice because he's he's awake and playing in front of me. I couldn't possibly get anything done with him around. And then if I just take the flute out, it's really no big deal. And he plays and I practice and it's fine. But I tend to find ways to use that as an excuse. And, uh, and now I'm finally like talking myself into it like, okay, well, if you just do what you want to do in front of him, then 
that's a really good thing for him to see, right? Right. I think, you know, you want to show them that, you know, there's a lot of things happening in this world. And while you want to pay attention to them and give them the attention they deserve, they also have to know they're not like the center of the universe. So, and, you know, I I think it's important for them to see that, like, I have things that I want to do and accomplish, and that I'm going to go for those things and put myself out there and do what makes me happy. But I'm, you know, I'm there as your mom to make you happy, or, you know, to give you what you need so that you can be happy as well. And I think it's kind of hard, because I think, having so much emotional tie to like making sure they're okay. Cause I did, you know, I was a stay at home parent and I think that, you know, I was just so focused on like what their immediate needs were that I was able to like push aside what sort of some of my needs are to like find success for myself and happiness for myself. So I do think that's the difficult thing, at least for me. And and I think for a lot of people to kind of say, well, I also have needs besides what my children need. And so we need to meet both of these things equally or not necessarily equally, but, you know, just a little bit even. So and I think sometimes we are just so selfless as parents that you just think like, well, I can't give this to myself. But I do think it makes me happier and a better parent to kind of do those things for myself instead of resenting that I'm always doing something for someone else. Right, exactly. It must be kind of different, like approaching your work when your kids are a little bit older. So how old were they when you decided to be a painter again? Uh, My daughter is in fifth grade now, so I think she was in kindergarten at the time. Um, And when I was first making work, it really had nothing to do. I mean, it had to do with domestic life, but not them, because my work has shifted so much to be about them and what's kind of happening in our family dynamic. But I think because they were so young when I started, I just feel like that they just think that that's kind of normal. So (laughs) I don't know that they think it's that weird, even though sometimes my husband's like, hey, you know, see that painting of Francis or that flyer of a painting of Francis hanging up there. They're like, most kids don't have that, you know, that experience. (laughs) Just trying to point out like, oh, this is kind of an unusual, you know, you should evaluate it from the fact that it's unusual, but they don't know any differently. So they're just like, there's some weird paintings of me doing whatever hanging up over there. Oh, that's normal. So... So how did you get the inspiration to start making that work of that mundane life? When I started making work again, I was really focusing on domestic life and like sort of my creative outlet. And at the beginning, I was doing a lot of painting of furniture. And I was thinking a lot about women's consumerism and sort of women's creative outlet because I'm in kind of a neighborhood where there's a lot of parents that choose to stay home, at least one part time um, in this community. And I was thinking about sort of what kind of outlets people have for being creative. And so I initially had started with collecting paint from stay at home moms when they were done with like some project in their house and I would collect all this paint and I was using this paint sort of to like repurpose it with my own sense of work. 
So uh, there was always a focus on domestic life, but um, recently, you know, I've been focusing more on what immediately is going around. And I think because I do have a tween and a teenager, you sort of start to notice that there's a sort of a distance, intentional and unintentional between you and them. They're trying to establish themselves as their own person. And so it's just kind of, I've been interested in sort of that physical connection because we're all in the same space, but also this sort of disconnection between people in the house. And so I, um, a lot of my work is stalking my family when they're not paying attention <laughs> and I use my phone. So I'm like, they think I'm, you know, on Instagram or emailing somebody, but I'm really taking photos of them when they're not paying attention. And so that's kind of where that work started. Are most of the subjects in your work your family? Yes. So it's me, my husband, and um, my two children. So that's the focus of of the work, pretty much. But it's not so, I feel like, specific to them that it's not like a situation um, that most of us haven't experienced from two people laying in bed and one's looking at the phone and one is like staring off into the distance or when I'm snuggling with one of my children on the couch and they're like on their laptop the whole time. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, that's what I think is so fascinating about looking at your work. It's like, oh, I know this scene. I see this every day in my life. But who would think to make art out of it? Because it feels so, not only does it feel boring, but it's something that we often feel shame around, like sitting on your phone or sitting on your computer. But you've turned it into something really beautiful somehow. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> and I think it's so great. Yeah, I think that I guess in this day and age, like the best description I've heard about distraction is trying to connect to too many things at once, whether inadvertently or, you know, or intentionally. So that idea that we're in a family unit and but also he's texting his friends and checking on something else and you know and there's music playing in the background and maybe somebody's like fussing with the TV that's kind of an interesting dynamic you know especially when we have so much ac access to technology these days mm -hmm. how has the business side of it been for you like the creating of a website and being on social media and what kind of challenges has it given you? But then how also has it helped you? I think it's so interesting that with social media, you're able to get so many more ideas out there and have kind of a critical voice. Because I think if I, I'm, I mean, here in Dayton, Ohio, I do have, I'm lucky to have like a group of artists that we kind of get together and critique our work. But I think like social media for me kind of helps create an extension of that community because I think working where I do in like a small town in the Midwest, it can feel kind of isolating um, and the a number of op opportunities are limited. So you kind of can connect with other people and that's what I like the most about it. But all of that stuff, I feel like I had jobs previously you know, putting together websites or doing social media. So that kind of stuff helped me prepare for 
doing that for my own business, you know, so I had to tap into all those skills that I used in previous jobs to do that aspect of being an artist that I wasn't so prepared for coming out of school. Because as much fun and as great as it is to make work, I mean, you're, I, I personally feel like I'm doing a lot more of the business end of it right now, you know, with proposals and grants and applications and maintaining, you know, all these databases of information for yourself. It's kind of a struggle. It'd be great just to have, you know, 40 hours a week to just do the work, but it really gets, it gets cut into and that's a challenge. How do you manage that time? What does your day look like where you can make sure to get the work done, but also market it? I try to rotate what I do every day. So sometimes I just go straight down. I, I work out of my house. So and that's been really convenient for me. I've looked into having a studio outside of the house. But honestly, sometimes when you have like 45 minutes, I'll go down there and mess around or futz with um, something that I've been struggling with. And that's great instead of driving to a second location. Sometimes I get straight on the computer and start working on deadlines. I usually keep a running list of deadlines of things that I want to apply to. Or So I think every day is different. But when my children are in school, Monday through Friday, I have the same amount of time. Once three o'clock hits, usually... I'm done for the day. Otherwise, so I'm, I can usually work between eight and three. So I don't get a full 40 hours a week, but I do in the evenings. A lot of times we'll do stuff on my computer or if I get motivated enough, work down in my studio. But I'm just glad to have this consistent amount of time. It's a little bit weird during the summer when they're home or for long breaks, but that's basically how I structure my time to use it as much as possible when they're out of the house. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking back to what you were saying about, well, when the kids are in school, we'll do it. Well, it's actually working out pretty well because they're in school and you can work while they're in school. Um, so then you have evenings at home with your family most of the time, right? Right. And they come home from school, at, like I said, at three o'clock. So we're together all afternoon through the evening. And then sometimes when they're off to bed, then I can get it a little bit more computer work or something like that done. But if I'm motivated enough. <laughs> <laughs> has it always kind of looked like that since you started or has it evolved? It, it's evolved because I initially was working in my studio and then I had a part-time job and I was working 20 hours a week outside of the house. So I was really working more on weekends and I don't do that so much because I kind of feel like I have the time now to work during the week. But it ends up being more family time or running errands and all that silly stuff that you do on the weekends, baseball games and activities. Do you think you could have done what you're doing now when your children were small? To me, I think I couldn't have. And it's more of a personality thing or a anxiety stress thing. I feel like I just I had a really hard struggle with quitting work to watch my kids and stay home with them. And I was working for an arts nonprofit, so it just didn't make sense for us financially for me to hire childcare when the childcare was more than I would even be making working full time. I, I think I struggled a lot with coming to terms with staying at home 
with them because I think so much of who you are is defined by what you do. And I think so much of myself was caught up in that, that I wasn't able to create um, because of that struggle. So I wish that maybe I could have pulled myself out of that because maybe when I was younger, I could have made the work. It just didn't happen for me because I think I was internalizing these other sort of issues so much. It just took me a long time to come around to being okay with <laughs> with making work and, and making the time for myself. I think that's the biggest struggle we all have when we become parents. We have to care for somebody else to keep them alive. And so putting yourself before that feels so selfish. But then I think over time we realize how necessary it is. But also, I'm just asking that because my son is going to be three soon. And I think I know I have put a lot of pressure on myself in the last three years. Like, oh, you should be doing all of it (laughs) all the time. Right. (laughs) And I think it's really nice to hear a story like yours, which is, no, I, I couldn't have managed all of that. And that's okay, too, like to just wait until the time is right. Yeah. So sometimes when I run into people that are stressing out about it, I I say, well, I took 10 years off. So I think you can give yourself a few months off because I just wish somebody might have said something like that to me. And now there's like so much more awareness of makers that are parents. And I don't think there was so much. It was like you can be one or the other 12 years ago. So having a lot more awareness towards that provides more support, you know, to people. And, you know, I kind of wish that was available back then, but it isn't. So I just try to remind people that I know that are kind of in the same situation, that you can take that time and it's okay. You know, you don't have to put all that pressure on yourself to make stuff constantly. And I think with being an artist so much today is like, oh, you have to be like a factory, you know, you have to produce, produce, produce. But sometimes you just got to take a moment and breathe and think about what you're doing instead of being so much about the end product. I hadn't known that in the in the visual art world. Is there like that idea that you should be super prolific and just making a lot? I think so, especially um, people that kind of participate in the gallery economies because they need so much work to have on hand to sell. You need so much in your studio so that you can have some in your studio to sell, but also that you're going to be showing and using for applications and, and for different purposes to kind of get your work out there. So there is pressure on, yes, you need to have X number of pieces ready to go at any one time. So I think sometimes, you know, that stresses people out more than it needs to. Sure. That makes sense. What inspires you? I guess, well, I mean, obviously my work's about my family, so that's a lot of it. Um, I also like to observe what's going on, you know, in public with other family dynamics. I find it interesting, even though I don't really uh, try to pull out my camera because that would be a little bit weird. I think it would make other people uncomfortable, but... Um, (laughs) Hey, can I take a picture of you with your kids at the restaurant playing on their electronic toys? But yeah, that and social media, I think that's kind of a big influence in my work in that 
I think there's a lot of idealistic depictions of how families should be. And it's like a tool for depicting the best of family life, which can kind of sometimes warp our perspective on what real family dynamics are are like. Some of my inspiration for my work comes from sort of a depiction that's somewhere in between where it's not all gathered around the fireplace playing board games every night as we see in some of these photos. But, you know, like, you know, we're all hanging out, but a couple of us are on our phones or doing stuff like that. I think that there's like an expectation for mothers a lot of times that they're supposed to have to provide like sort of a perfect future of happiness and fulfillment for their children. And so I don't think that's something that we can actually provide. So I think that's what I think about. You can give them a good childhood, but you can't sort of guarantee like what the future is going to be. I think that there's a lot of pressure on us as parents that we need to do X, Y, and Z in order for them to be happy and fulfilled with the rest of their life and sort of create a, you know, a magical childhood. But the reality is that, that childhood itself is like inherently magical. It doesn't need us to like kind of create those moments. And so I think just regular life is what I'm most interested in portraying. I love that. I think probably because of what I'm thinking about all day, every day is how to keep the phone out of my child's hands and how to keep the TV off. And at the same time, I'm on Instagram all day long looking at beautiful pictures of people sitting around the fire playing board games or (laughs) ads for wooden toys or, you know, like the minimalist home. And it's a really present thing that, is always on our minds as parents. And so I just love that your work is kind of a slap in the face of like, nope, this is reality and it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Because I think part of the people that are doing the most criticism of that are us as parents, you know, criticizing ourselves and... And what's the point? Right. I grew up in the 70s and I was a child of divorce we had the TV on a lot. <laughs> so, and it doesn't mean I don't crack a book or do other things nowadays. And you turned into an artist. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but who knows these kids that are addicted to phones, what they'll do. I'm just saying, you know, it's not great and it's not horrible. It's somewhere in between, I think. Exactly. We will all figure it out. What are you looking forward to for the future in your work and in your family? I'm I'm looking forward to it, but I'm also kind of, I know like it's very short lived, like the amount of time left, it is going so fast. And I know like next year, my son's starting high school. And I know once he gets through those doors, it'll be gone like that and they'll be out of the house. So I'm kind of looking forward to like how my work is going to change once it's not so much about the four of us and I don't know. Somebody was like, I was saying, maybe I'll become one of those helicopter parents and I'll follow my kids to college and like stalk them and take photos and then make uh, paintings of that. So, (laughs) um, but I guess I'm kind of looking forward to like how my work is going to change as my family life changes. I mean, as much as I kind of dread 
and am excited about them leaving the house permanently because I don't think it's all dread. I think it's, you know, it's a mix for me. Um, it'll be exciting as they become young adults. I just think it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, that's a whole nother world I cannot even imagine. Well, I was like you and I was thinking like, oh, these kids are going to be so small forever. And I just don't know what happened because you know how they always say, you know, the days are long, but the years are short. Yeah. And I just never thought I would have a teenager. So it seems so far away. Mm-hmm. So. And now it's here. And now it's here, right? What are your kids into? Are they artists? Well, my youngest one is very into making stuff. I wouldn't say she's like so much of a two-dimensional person as she likes to put things together um, and make potions and build things out of boxes. And she was really addicted to the hot glue gun for a while. And, <laughs> and uh, so she's, she's very creative. Um, so we'll see what happens, what she ends up doing. My son's, um, he, he's very social. He likes to be outdoors and, he he plays baseball, but he also um, he skates. So he skateboards pretty much every day. And what is your favorite thing about being a mother? I just love being there for them and being able to sort of support them and you know guide them through what they're going through. I want to be able to give them sort of a level of support to do whatever they want to do. And it's amazing to think that, you know, they've got their own personalities and they're developing their own interests and they're their own people. And I don't know, I'm just there to kind of help them out now. I feel like a lot of it's a lot of it. The work is done, you know, it's weird because I guess they're so old, but, you know, I'm happy to be there for them and with them and like experience things with them. I think that's kind of the best gift is kind of seeing things through their experience because they're experiencing a lot of things for the first time. And what advice do you have for other mother makers? My advice would be not to be so hard on yourself. um, As we discussed before, I think that we already put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be the perfect parent and to create fulfillment for everybody around us. And I don't think we often take care of ourselves or, you know, think about the things that we really want because it's just in our nature to not be so selfish, <laughs> you know? So, um, and it, it's, I feel like it's not being selfish to, take care of you and to do the things that make you happy. Cause inherently, if you're happy, the people around you are going to be happy knowing that, you know, you kind of project that. Be kind to yourself, I think is important. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for asking me. You bet. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks. You too. So that's it for this episode of the mother maker podcast. For links and photographs of Michaelin's work, visit mothermaker.co slash interviews slash Michaelin dash Michaelic. Michaelin Michaelic is spelled M-Y-C-H-A-E-L-Y-N dash M-I-C-H-A-L-E-C. 
While you're there, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter or send me an email with your feedback. You can always connect with me on Instagram and Facebook as well. I love hearing from you. This podcast is produced and edited by me, Emma Coy. Our web designer and developer is my husband, Jason Coy. And our text editor is my dear friend, Alyssa Zimmerman Exley, a new mom herself. Our music is from David Hillowitz. Until next time, keep making work, mother makers. Thanks for listening. Bravo, take a bow, take a bow.